0: I'm pulling out a match driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. And Matt Cavada's with us.
1: Good times.
0: So uh I I thought I would see less of you, but uh I'm uh we're getting more Mad podcasts. Feast of (laughs) Family. Okay, so today I thought we'd talk about another um creative topic, something the creative team does, since in the in, in your distant past you were once a member of the creative team. Um what I we call world building. Which is, so Magic does this crazy, crazy thing where every year we make a brand new world from scratch. Uh, and we're signing up to do two brand new worlds from scratch. Um, so I want to talk about... I mean, you and I have both been involved and, and I mean, we're not in charge of the process, but both sure. of us have, have witnessed the process. of What exactly do we do to come up with a brand new world you've never seen before?
1: Um, well, from... Again, my distant vantage point of this part of the process, uh, it starts out with the very, very big and broad decision of, um, we need to make a new set that focuses on this type of card, or this type of mechanic, or we want to do another multicolor set, and from that could spawn an idea about um, a world that could house that structure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the key uh, to building worlds is usually the set, a little bit of work is done on the set before the creative world is completely defined. Um, that's not always true depending on the world and stuff, but usually we do a little bit of design work before the world starts. Well, for uh,
1: example, we knew we were doing a multicolor set before we attached guilds or the concept of guilds to Ravnica.
0: Correct, right. So what happened there people don't know the story is um, we were we had penciled in to do another multicolored set. And the previous multicolor block had been invasion. And invasion really said play lots of colors, play four or five colors. Right. So I was trying to make the most not invasion multicolor block I could. So I came up with the idea of well what if I make you play two colors and not just ally two colors, but eat both the enemy and the ally. Play any two colors you want. They're all on equal footing, which was kind of a novel idea at the time. Um, But we're going to push you to play two, and the idea was, you know, just two colors. Obviously, in drafts and stuff, people started playing more than two. But uh, So I went to Brady Domerith, who was the head of the creative team at the time, and I I, I pitched my idea. I said, okay, it's a world in which, you know, it's two-color focused. They're all on equal footing. And Brady, the great story is Brady was, like, working out on, on his treadmill at home or something, and it just hit him the idea of guilds.
1: He slipped on the toilet in <laughs> his head, and that's when he right. thought of the right. capacitor. Yes.
0: So he came up with the idea of guilds, and then from the idea of guilds, he said, oh, a city, it would need to take place in the city. So he got the idea of a city world, city plane, from the idea of the guilds. And then, uh, I mean, he came and talked to me about it. I said, oh, that sounds perfect. And then I readapted what I was doing to Have more of a guild focus, uh, and that's when we came up with the four three three three, three thing. And oh, anyway, okay. So, but we're not, we're not talking about design today. Today is world world building. So, what what does he do at that point? So, he has an idea for a city world that has these guilds in it.
1: Um. Well, what I remember because I was I was involved in the um, in the world building process for for the first go round with Ravnica is that um, we started working on the personalities of. Individual guilds. Yeah. At that point, mm-hmm. um, the concept of a city world uh, was mostly going to be realized in the um, concept art push.
0: Mm-hmm. So explain explain to people what is the concept art uh, push? I, okay. Let's get to that in a minute. <laughs> okay. okay?
1: Um, first, uh, f- before we even got the artists working mm-hmm. on concept art we had to have some basis of the challenges they would be attempting to solve. Um, So we had to have at least a baseline personality for each of the guilds. Um, So at that time, Brady and uh, Brandon Bozzi and I each set about to writing up whatever brain barf we could come up with on each of the individual guilds until we had enough meat to um, have the art director sick the artists on um, you know, all the related concepts during the uh, concept art push. Um, which is usually... I, I feel like we talked about this uh, in one of our previous... Podcasts. We did
0: talk a little bit, but we can go in a little more detail than we did last time.
1: It's like a three to four week process where a handful of artists are brought in Almost always, those artists are existing magic artists. But um, I think there are a few cases of um, artists being brought in because their particular uh, experience and style was suited to the th- um, thematically to whatever that world was uh, was doing. For example, when um, when we were doing Zendikar. Uh, a new artist was brought in who hadn't done cards up to that point. His name was Vincent Prost. And uh, the art director saw something in his style that was particularly good for, uh, for the rough and tumble world of Zendikar. Uh,
0: so, so something for people to understand is that um, not every artist is good at conceptual art, right? Maybe right. talk a little bit about what, what exactly that skill is.
1: So, uh, some artists are excellent craftsmen, and if you tell them, show me a scene with, um, you know, two warriors battling and each one has a giant axe or whatever, mm-hmm. they will be able to assume the role of the cinematographer and come up with the right angle and the right, uh, lighting, and then they can, they have the skill to expertly render that, that scene. Um... But if you were to say to that same artist, eh, we just need a, a, a battle between two two kinds of warriors that we've never seen before, like, ha- have at it. That person might just be paralyzed because they don't, they don't feel comfortable th- um, solving the what-is-it problem as much as the what-does-it-look-like problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some artists who thrive in that... Blank canvas territory. Uh, The the couple names that come to my mind are Steve Prescott and Wayne Reynolds. Both of those guys, when they come in for concept pushes, they will produce 60% of the art on the wall. Uh They just, they're prolific. And anytime their pencil touches the paper, something like meaty and usable comes out. It's really. I've been involved in concept pushes, and I know how hard it is to come up with whole cloth new ideas, and I am I am blown away every time I see what those two guys do.
0: So the key to the process is, you get artists in. Uh, there's been some work ahead of time. I've, I've talked before how currently the creative team is split into two uh, separate teams. There is the story team, and there's the art team. Um, usually what happens is the story team preps, like, writes about what's going on and what are the civilizations like right. and enough of a sense of the world that when the artists show up that there's something to tell them, uh, right? That yes. the, you have to know something. In order to build the world, you have to have some idea. Right. I know that Ravnica was built around the guilds and a sense of a city feel. Uh, I know Zendikar was trying to be an adventure world. Yes. Um, there's always some an idea that they can build around. And then what happens is they come in and, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy's the art director, Jeremy Jarvis, And he'll say, here's what we're looking for right. and give them material. And then he, they just go to town. They draw whatever they can come up with. And then at the end of each day, I think, he looks at what's been produced and, and sort of says, I like this. This is maybe not the direction we want. Like, he, right. he guides them, right? So,
1: when I, I'm going to digress for a minute and talk about what life is like as a young artist.
0: Okay. Life as a young artist. When I
1: was in art college, I had this idiotic thought that whatever I drew or whatever I was thinking of, that was a great idea. That is so, so wrong. Um, And I, I imagine that there are people out there who might think that when these concept artists come to town and they start drawing, that whatever they draw, we use. That is not the case. There is so much material on the cutting room floor and it doesn't even mean that those things are bad it just means that they're on the fringes or outside of the realm of what the intended goal was Um, hundreds at least hundreds maybe thousands of drawings for each concept push and it gets whittled down to the tightest and rightest I don't know hundred or so pictures.
0: So here's one of the cool, this is my experience. I, I've never, I'm always a bit afar from the process. So let me explain how I experience the process, which is there's a wall near R&D, um, which whenever there's a concepting, they just start putting things up on this wall. And just you'll walk by, there's all these pictures and, and all these different stuff going on. And you're like, oh, that looks cool, and that looks cool. And then every day, they're, like, taking things down and putting new things up. Yep. And little by little, they start clumping things together and labeling things, you know. And you can slowly sort of see it taking shape.
1: Yeah. It's really cool to see, um, like, on the first couple days, there will be a bunch of drawings um, in all sorts of different directions. And there will be one picture somewhere someone will hit on a concept whether it's the, a theme for costuming or a particular look for a kind of uh, goblin race or something that the next day when you get there, there will be all these other similar drawings orbiting around that one Yeah. and like, the good ideas tend to have uh, a, a gravity of their own and they end up forming whole themes or uh in some cases, unplanned themes. Um, a great example is when um, when we were doing the concept push for Zendikar. There was there was very little pre-writing given to the artists, other than uh, lands are going to matter here. And Mark Tadine and Vincent and I were. Um, sort of doodling around trying to find an answer for something, anything, and Tadine drew what we now know of as the Hedron. Yes. The uh, eight-sided, like, diamond-shaped thing. Yeah. And we were so excited that there was anything, anything that seemed cool, that we started putting it in everything we did. We're like... You need a tree? How about I stick that thing in the tree? You need a guy? I'm going to put that thing on the guy's club. But like, it was everywhere. And it ended up becoming uh, an important part of both Zendikar and other worlds. It's, it's,
0: it's well, really so, cool how
1: organically that happened. Yeah, let
0: me, let me explain something so people understand this. The Eldrazi did not exist as a story point when they started creating it. When they made the Hedrons, they are just cool-looking hedrons. Yeah, they were just cool. And then the um, story people said, these hedrons look awesome. Why are there hedrons?" And so they started having to figure this thing out. And that, from that, they came upon the idea of these creatures, these ancient creatures trapped in the world. And that one of the reasons the world was so crazy was his reacting to this. And that, like, originally the plan was, for Zendikar, was there was going to be a large set and a small set, so Zendikar and Worldwake and then what you guys all know as um, Rise of Eldrazi was going to be a set in a completely different world, not even going to be in Zendikar. And um, and then once the creative team came up with this idea of the Eldrazi trapped within, right. they're like, oh, instead of going to a new world, what if we just release the Eldrazi? That's the third set. Right. And and so like these little hedron doodles, you know, ended up being like a major Magic story point. Yeah. Yes. So. But-
1: most of the time, the stuff that we see um, developed on cards is intentional. It's absolutely intentional. But every once in a while, you do get something that is um, the, the random brainchild of one of the concept artists that ends up, uh, you know, gaining, gaining a little fandom of its own.
0: So the other thing that happens is, not only are they trying to build the world, but the... Um uh, usually, Jeremy, whoever the art director for the particular project is, is also giving them assignments. For example, sometimes, like I know in Innistrad, we knew we wanted werewolves. So, like, one of the things was okay, we, we knew we were werewolves, we knew there were vampires, we knew there were zombies, we knew there were uh, spirits and humans. We knew that. But it's like, oh, well, we wanted zombies in both black and blue, but we wanted them to look different. You know, and so we'd come across the idea of, well, maybe black zombies are necro- necro- ma- ma- necromantic? Yes. Uh, you know, zombies raised from the dead, where blue might be more Frankenstein, like yeah. science-made zombies. But that's all we had. And so we said, okay. And then f- during the creative push, like the Scobs which were the, the frankenstein ones, you know, they, they went out and figured out how to make that look. And we knew we needed the werewolves to have a distinctive look that matched the world, but felt like a magic's take. Well, let's talk about that for a second. The idea of magic's take on blank.
1: Right. Uh, well, that's uh, that's super important during world building, not only just to set the magic take apart from the the um, the concept that you're used to seeing outside of magic, but magic has to leave space for itself to reiterate on that concept so that we can make another kind of zombie the next time we go to the world we haven't invented yet. And then another kind of zombie on the world after that. We can't, um, we can't go blindly in to um, using up all the good concepts all at once. In a lot of cases, we have to use uh, a a painful amount of restraint to say, that is so awesome, but we're not going to use it yet.
0: The the other thing that happens is uh, they always sort of ask us what our needs are because one of the, for example, one of the things about making a magic world, which is quirky, is... There is, and, and it's not literal always but there is a plains and an island and yep. a mountain and a swamp and a forest on every world Some, something that at least evokes each of the five colors it might not literally be those five right. things but th- that sense of ecosystem uh, really forces magic to go to places that yep. other worlds might not do
1: well there is also a um, a very difficult construct and that is uh, not only do you have to have those five kinds of land those five colors, but you have to have a medium-sized flyer in that color, no matter what. Um, and like, let's say you have a concept for a world where everything's tiny. Well, guess what? you can't do that. You, <laughs> right? You just can't. You, you you can't do it. You can't support a whole. Right. Why we never set without beefy creatures? Why we never
0: visit Zagovia? <laughs> yes. So the, the thing we make a thing called a creature grid. Creative team makes what's called a creature grid. So what a creature grid is, is all the colors and all the sizes and then flying or not. So it's sort of like for each color, you need a small flyer, small non-flyer, medium flyer, medium non-flyer, large flyer, large non-flyer. Right. Now, there's some holes sometimes, like green large flyer usually isn't necessary, so they don't right. have to worry about that. But part of doing the creative thing is saying, okay, well, what are in these spaces? And sometimes when the artists come in it's like okay guys we need to figure out what the big white flying thing is in this world right. do you have any ideas right. you know
1: and that gets that gets really challenging when you think about okay we're in a city world what is the giant uh giant green land creature well what's it doing in the city yeah what do you do what is that for so that takes uh that takes some some real creative thinking um if there is any, if, if there is any notion that I would want people to know about the world building process is that it is not a, um, it's not like a whimsical journey through random ideas. That there is a lot of rigor and requirement to it. That um, it is an equal balance of creativity and discipline, really.
0: And and the thing to remember is so the, the the thing that gets created out of this this process. Is what we call a world guide, which is samples of the different, you know, here are the different races on the world and the costuming and the weapons and the locations. And right. um, now, once that is done, there are still, I mean, our, our freelance artists have some freedom to extrapolate from what the world guide is doing. Yes. Um, and so, some of the things, but one of the neat things sometimes is we make a world guide, and then our other artists that were never even in the building during that because they see what the, the was done, like, can sort of make new things but that fit the tone of the world.
1: Um, in general, the, the material that's put into the world guide is not the corner cases. It's the, the staple creatures and races and themes that will play out a number of times on cards illustrated by other people Um, and that those fringe elements sometimes really interesting and really compelling um, those don't end up getting cooked into the world building or the world guide Um, those spring forth from the the material at the heart of that uh, like the theme or the uh, the general look and feel that's established in the world guide
0: and sometimes one of the things that happens is the design team will look through the world guide and go, "What's that? We got to make a card for that. That looks awesome." Sure. You know, and we'll do that. Um, but it's like I said, the 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 the, the story I always tell is: um, so Zendikar comes out, and then I don't know, six months later, maybe uh, Avatar the movie came out. Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously, neither had anything to do with the other, but there were a lot of similarities. You know, uh, uh, Zendikar had the floating mountains and stuff, and then we found out that. The people who worked on Pandora, which is the world of Avatar, spent five years on it, you know, and that, the, the, our, the fact that our creative team does something of that quality every year, yeah. you know, is, is quite amazing. It
1: is. It is. It's pretty cool.
0: And, and now we've signed up and said, "Well, yeah, one a year, let's try two a year. No, well, let me talk, bring something else that's very important. So sometimes we go back to places, and I think people feel like, oh, well, do they take the year off? Or we're going back someplace. And I'm like, no, 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 not at all. In fact, when you go back, I mean, talk a little bit about, like, when you revisit something, what has to get done?
1: Well, first of all, no one is perfect. And the first time you do something, in realizing that whole creative effort from start to finish, you might say, X, Y, and Z are working really well. But A, B, and C, eh, not so much. But when you revisit, you can... Tighten up A, B, and C, or you can remove them and double down on X, Y, and Z.
0: So Ravnica is a really good example. When we went back to Ravnica, um, the creative team was happy with most of the guilds, right. but a few of the guilds, di- I mean, for different reasons, didn't quite nail what they wanted. And so they, we, I know when we went back, they're like, "Here's the guilds we really want to focus on because we feel like they need a little more love that they, they we didn't quite nail these ones last right. time." Right. Um, and for different reasons, one of the things oh, here's something that I didn't even bring up before. One Another problem Magic has is you are in between sets, in between worlds. So whatever the previous world did, you kind of bend it to get away from it. And so um, I know, for example, Simic had this problem in the original Ravnica, which was the, the set before Ravnica was Kamigawa. Right. And Kamigawa had a lot of animal hybrid type things. Well, the Simic, they love animal hybrid type things, but we... Because we had just done that in, in, in so much volume, they pushed Simic a different direction. Um, Jelly bubbles. Yes. And then when we came back, we're like, oh, you know what? Let's just, now that we're not next to Kamigawa, let's get Simic more into the, you know, the animal hybrid things, which is what Simic really wanted to be.
1: Right.
0: Um, right. And th- another example of this is Innistrad fouled uh, Rise of the Eldrazi. Um, and both Rise of the Odrazi and... I'm not saying, not Rysodrazi, uh, Scars of the uh, Industrial falls Scars of Well, the Phyrexians are very much horror-like, you know, so we were going from something that was very horror-inspired to something else that was horror-inspired. That's a tricky word to say correctly. <laughs> um, so what we decided was we had to carve it up. So what we did was uh, the creative team made the choice that New Phyrexia was more science-fiction-y mm-hmm. in its horror, and that... um Industrial was more gothic in its horror, and so to pull them apart, so that even, even though they both had a horror quality to them, um, they felt and looked different.
1: Right, right. If you think about, um, the, the second swing at Ravnica or Mirrodin, for example, um, uh, they, it, it's almost like you get to imagine what the creative team would have been able to accomplish if they had two years to do the project instead of one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you said, the Pandora yeah. people had five. Yeah. So how how tight and awesome would things get, you know, if you have more time?
0: Uh, I mean, although I've talked to the creative team about this, I mean, although they're doing a lot of crazy work, one of the things that's fun for the creative team, is one reason I have a lot of fun in design too is Magic lets you constantly do different things, and so, I don't know, five years in, at some point, you just, you go, I'm sick of drawing this plant! Yeah, you'd
1: you'd get it. You'd you'd go insane. You'd start having nightmares about the plant.
0: You know, the, I mean, obviously, that world was very, very realized, but, I mean, the, the thing I like about magic is that we, we're constantly sort of, I, I call it pushing the pendulum, that it's really neat that, you know, one year we're in Adventure Worlds, and next year we're right back on Mirrodin, and it's, it's this creepy Frexians, and the next year we're on Gothic Horror, and the next year we're in, the, what, a uh, Greek, Greek inspired, you know, and that we're constantly changing things around. Um, and then one of the things that's interesting, I, we didn't even get to this, is the idea of inspiration. Yeah. That every year, some, sometimes it's more direct than others, but no matter what we do, um, there always is some real world inspiration to draw from. Ravnica, for example, what Eastern Europe?
1: Uh, yeah, like Prague.
0: I yeah, guess, that the, the model. That, so, what, what the, one of the things that gets done. I don't think people even think about this. Is there's research done. I know that Jeremy and his team will like go through magazines and pull pictures and uh, like when the artists come up, they'll like they'll have slideshows of here's images that are real world images that are a jumping off point, something yeah. that's you can you know. You can think about.
1: Well, there, there are at, at least two reasons for that. One is um, that having inspiration, you know, will, will put a creative ship, you know, in mm-hmm. the water and moving, um, whereas having nothing, you know, leaves you at the beach wondering what you're supposed to do next. But the other thing is that when you start with something that is a, 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 a recognizable beginning... That's the, like that's the the heart of a resonant concept, and what magic has been trying to do more of lately, is iterate on resonant concepts, things that people know and love and already have a uh, sort of a geek appreciation for, rather than inventing whole cloth some weird esoteric thing. Um, sometimes that's fun, but for the most part, we have been reaping the rewards of uh, of seeing are creative that it's based upon a broad concept like gothic horror or Greek mythology, and that people just really, really love that.
0: And, and so those are the cons, because that's the current set as an example. So what what we did with the concept arc was there were five factions, and each faction had a different real-world influence. Um, and it wasn't... The thing that's important is it wasn't that they were trying to recreate the exact versions of them, but they just needed something that was a jumping-off point. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons that the factions, I think, really work is they feel very different. That when you look at the Teamer and compare them to the Jess guy, they're really different. They're different things. and that But they all came from a similar geographic sort of, you know, sure. that there was something that kind of linked them together so they felt connected. Right. I think that was important. Um,
1: yeah, it's almost like uh, as a fan you decide, do you like Conan movies more or do you like uh, Kung Fu movies more? And yeah. Way? Tell you which of these is going to resonate with you more.
0: Yeah, and, and one of the things that we, I mean, obviously we're almost out of time here, but I, I, we just got to work. Um, no, no trophy today. Uh, one of the things that I notice as we move forward is that um, we definitely, the creative is starting to take more and more to lead in the world building, meaning it used to be we're doing a set all about gold. What's that going to be? Right. And now creative's coming to us and we're working much earlier to say, here is a concept we're playing around with, and we're like, well, here, you know, here's our themes, and we are marrying much, much earlier what those things are. Yeah. And that the worlds are becoming more and more realized because we have ingrained the creative process even earlier into what we're doing. Um, we now have what we call exploratory design, which is super early, and so we'll actually uh, talk with the creative team, like, before design even begins, and it's, it is very, very fun to watch sort of ideas um, although it's funny because a lot of times people will pitch things early and until you can see them they sound crazy sometimes yeah. Yeah. Um, like Jeremy will say I see such and such you're like what and he's like I also show you like, like, until you see it you can't get it but anyway we are now here at works so, out, Matt thank you very much for joining me I hope you guys learned a bit today about uh, I don't know, any final thoughts on world building any final uh, takeaways no no <laughs> the thing I will say is that I believe that if you've never really taken the time to do this, and hopefully you have, um, just take one of the, the, you know, one of the style and one of the um, the books of all the cards or go and gather or something, and, and just take time to look at the art. Just look at sort of the background and, like, look at the world. It's amazing when you see all the stuff that's going on that sometimes when you play and you don't take the moment to stop and focus, you don't see some of the detail. And it is... The amount of detail is really amazing. That the world building that the, the, the creative team does is truly, truly remarkable. And I, I think one of the big assets the game has is that we create really interesting, amazing world. I mean, I think the game's a great game. But the fact that we layer this great game on top of this amazing creative, I, I think is one of Magic's greatest strengths.
1: Yeah.
0: So anyway, I've now parked my car. So we all know what that means. It means it's time for me to end my drive to work. So I'm off, and Matt and I will be making magic, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.